I'm so glad that I remembered that this tweet existed. I can't believe I just, just for he- heads up for everyone. I totally forgot to even have an intro story ready before we started recording this. So we're off to a good start. Let's go now. <laughs> I noted that I noticed this tweet as retweeted by a friend of the show, uh, John O'Peck. <laughs> Kind of just baffled by the, uh, you'll see, you'll see. (laughs) This is a tweet by Jeff Keighley. GameScent has been announced. Now, and then he tags at GameScent AI. Sophisticated AI releases real sense alongside your gameplay, including smells of gunfire, explosions, racing, storm, forest. (laughs) There's also... Upgraded DLC sense, including napalm, human exertion, ocean, and golf course. I don't know. Uh, Aaron, John O'Peck <laughs> seemed to think that this tweet was a little bit out of touch. What, <laughs> what do you think of uh, GameScent AI? Yeah, I think it's dumb <laughs> to start with. Um, I know why it's out of touch, because this came out Jeff Keighley tweeted about this just after Sony announced all of the layoffs and everything that's happening in the industry. And Jeff Keighley is an industry, uh, what would you call it, front person, say that. Um, You would think that he would have (laughs) a little bit, I don't know, something more sensitive to say around what's just happened in the industry instead of jumping on to something that he's clearly been sponsored to say to get out there that's all business-focused. And also, yeah, on the other side of it, something that's pretty stupid as well kind of thing for gamers. I'm pretty sure no one's racing out there to get this. I'm pretty sure most gamers out there are still <laughs> grieving and taking in what's happened in the industry around the uh, the layoffs. And, and it was just ill-timed, very bad on Keeley's behalf. 100%. Stupid. Well, yeah, I, I never looked into the comments, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of like, not today, Jeff, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is bad timing along with people just being baffled by how weird of an idea of a product this is. Torja, have you ever been playing Nobody Saves the World and thought, I wish I could be smelling what's going on in here? Well, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> also because that's a game that sometimes it has like waste on the streets and stuff like that. So that's not the the best game for me to want to smell a, a, like a, yeah, a nose experience. No, no. <laughs> Definitely Someone not. in the comments did a picture of the mighty poo from Conker's Bad Fur Day. Like, I was yeah, just a- about to say that. I'd hate to be in Poo Mountain in Conker's Bad Fur Day and that thing starts kicking in. Screw that. I've never been playing Ghost of Tsushima and been like, oh, wow, it's such a beautiful world and it's so immersive and the combat's so fun. But you know what would really bring me in a lot more? If I could smell my character's sweaty balls while I'm playing as well. That would just really complete the entire experience. I, 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 yeah, I don't understand that. Like, literally one of the DLCs was human exertion. What is that if not yeah, what the fuck? sweat? <laughs> I want to smell the blood of my enemies on my blade. <laughs> Look, I'm sure there's some lads who will be like, look, if they, if they make this work with, you know, 
DOA volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sure. YouTube when he goes to strip bars and yeah, all yeah. of that. There'll, oh, there'll be many people who want to get involved with that, but yeah, what a. <laughs> yeah, that tweet. That that tweet smells bad, Jeff Keeley. You, it stinks. You, you smelt it and dealt it. The tweet. Yeah. Hello and welcome to News to Reviews. <laughs> Your monthly mashup of gaming news and reviews delivered to you the first Monday of every month. My name is Zach and I'm here with my co-host Aaron. Yo, yo, welcome back. It's me. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll welcome you back as well, Aaron, because yeah, I'm stoked to have Thanks, you mate. back on Fuck Lockie and his fucking piece of shit laptop that he spent thousands of dollars on. <laughs> Poor Lucky. Just <laughs> By the sounds of it, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it sounds real bad. Oh, dearie me. Uh, yeah, Lockie, definitely check your warranty on that one. But um, yeah, I'm super stoked to have you on again, Aaron. It's been a little while, I think, since when we had all of our holiday bonus episodes. is the last time we had you on, so I'm stoked to have you back again. And it is Lockie's loss this week for sure because Aaron we are lucky enough to be joined once again by probably like one of our longest running guests on the show if not the longest Torja <laughs> how's it going hey Torja? guys <laughs> it's going good it's always a pleasure to be here and in spite of all the cursed uh recording oh. <laughs> settings but uh, yeah we're here we made it i think it's it's going to be fine now <laughs> it's it's been a journey to to get here to get to this point where yeah. we're recording this podcast right now holy shit it's only once a yeah. month but now it's it's like triple the work before we <laughs> even get started yeah. i can't believe i didn't have an intro story ready holy shit what is happening Anyway, <laughs> what I did already have ready, other than the intro story, was a whole shitload of news. Now, Torja, are, are you doing anything you want to plug at the moment? You're not really streaming right now, I don't think. No, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I'm not. I pretend to come back to it later, but yeah, I haven't been streaming in months at this point. Yeah. Well, I hope you do get back into it at some stage. Keen to see you play some more awesome puzzle games and whatnot. But hey, at least we get to have you back on here to give your impressions on whatever yeah. it is you've been playing. But if you have a favorite podcast out there and you want a way that you can help them out without having to spend any of your dosh, the best way you can do that is by leaving them a rating or a review. So make sure you do that for your favorite podcaster and hopefully it's... Uh Hopefully your favorite podcast is news to reviews and you give us a cheeky rating or a review. If you want to find any of our links, it'll be in the description of the podcast down below. We have a ton of news to get into. Let's get stuck into it. Now, holy shit, the biggest problem with doing news to reviews once a month now is sometimes shit happens and I want to scream into a microphone about it and I can't. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. So at the, pretty much the week after the, the last episode came out, the whole of the fucking 
internet exploded over some Xbox rumors. Now, now, Torjo, if you heard that a few Xbox games are going to be going multi-platform, what, what, what's, what are your first thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think it, I always think it's good. It's good for people to be able to play the games they want to without having to buy a new uh, peripheral Wrong. to do it. Wrong, Torja. Oh, okay. Sorry. Torja, Sorry. this what? is the death of Xbox as we no, know it. absolutely dead right. The entire Xbox, uh, Xbox is getting out of the console game. They're destroying their company from the inside. Phil Spencer's oh, an idiot. Oh, my God. So, the rumors came out at the start of February just saying that a couple of games might go multi-platform. And then the rumors spread to, oh, you know, possibly the new Indiana Jones game when it comes out might go multi-platform. Starfield may go multi-platform sometime in the next year. They could be coming to uh, PlayStation consoles. And holy shit, the hardcore Xbox community lost their collective fucking minds over this they went absolutely insane and i felt like i was going insane i didn't understand what their problem was here they're all saying like oh it's the end of xbox i people i know who messaged me being like oh yeah xbox is getting out of the console game like how did you get to that how did you get to that from a few of their games are going multi-platform to they're just giving up on consoles i i i I don't understand it <laughs> eventually X- uh, phil spencer and xbox had to say something about it because the entire of twitter was just melting down about this and these rumors were just going fucking crazy of people just being really furious about the possibility of all these games going multi-platform so eventually yes xbox did a uh, they they did like a, a podcast on the official Xbox podcast, but uh, Matt Booty, the president of Game and Content and Studios, also uh, did an announcement on the website, like a blog post type thing. So he said, today we are announcing that four fan favorite Xbox games will be coming to Nintendo Switch and Sony platforms this spring. The studios that built these celebrated games have drawn in their multi-platform experience to to open the worlds they created to even more players and communities. So Pentiment is going to be going multi-platform. It's so it's Obsidian's Entertainment, a truly unique, critically acclaimed, award-winning narrative adventure game. Hi-Fi Rush, the game that came out the start of last year, which was like a really cool surprise. Shadow Drop is also expected to come uh, March uh, March 19th. I believe we're going to be able to pre-order that one. Uh, Grounded. Also from Obsidian Entertainment, a co-op survival adventure phenomenon that has welcomed 20 million players into the backyard. will be coming to PS4, PS5 and Nintendo Switch April 16th. And finally, Sea of Thieves uh, will be coming to PlayStation 5 on April 30th and will be available to wishlist uh, starting now on the PlayStation Store. So, yeah, for Xbox exclusive games, that, well, you know, exclusive to Microsoft, so you could play them on PC as well too. Yeah, finally come to PS4 and Switch. Aaron, you're a massive Xbox fan. You're, I think it's safe to say you're an X-Bot. What do you think of these titles going multi-platform? Yeah, I was right there in the thick of it, like listening to all the podcasts and reading all the tweets and everything about everyone losing their banana on it kind of thing. Um, I've said it before to you, Zach, like I'm all for cross-platform games, games going to different platforms. You know, I'm with Satya Nadella on this. Like if... 
if we could be in a world of non-exclusives, I would love to live in it kind of thing where I could just play whatever game I want on whatever device I want. You know, that would be perfect. Um, these aren't pillars of the Xbox identity. It's not Halo. It's not Gears. It's not Forza. It's nothing that is is what built the house of Xbox kind of thing, leaving and going elsewhere kind of thing. This doesn't hurt the brand by letting some small games like this, I know Sea of Thieves is relatively large, but most of these games here don't represent specifically the brand identity of Xbox. And for working in business and understanding that, like, it's actually a really good thing. Like, these games hit the ceiling on Xbox around how far they can go with player engagement and revenue coming in. They now get a second life on on a Nintendo and on PlayStation. Mm. This rewards the developers more now. It makes the games more acclaimed than what they were. More more they're in more hands, they're in more devices, there's more revenue coming in that can clearly fund more games as well kind of thing. It's great for the community. It's a it's a step in the right direction. I wish Sony and Nintendo could mm. do this kind of thing. Uh, I think this is a perfect, amazing thing. I'm so happy that they're doing this. It sucks that there's only four, but I'm hoping that more will come from this. And as long as the Xbox identity, like I said, with Halo Gears or anything bigger, doesn't just start whoring itself out to other consoles, then I don't see a problem with this. I actually celebrate it. I want more people to play these games. And if they're going to play it on a PlayStation or a Switch, amazing. Like, that's you don't have to go anywhere. Perfect, right? Beautifully said. I don't even know how you can even argue against that people are fucking nuts <laughs> especially on twitter they should just burn that platform to the ground torja uh, what do you think of these four titles going multi-platform well i i completely agree with everything aaron said and it this may even make me actually play grounded because i i looked at mm. grounded on <clears throat> on my laptop but I was like, yeah, mm, survival, should I? Should I not? It's interesting, but I don't know. And I, I didn't play it. And now that I can play it on PlayStation, like co-op multiplayer, I will mm. probably do it. <clears throat> and yeah, like, I may be a bit confused, but like, even with um, exclusive games from PlayStation, they, like, they c first come out on the PlayStation and then eventually... PC players and well, I did not always switch players, but some games they they like they go to other platforms later. So mm. isn't correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it what's happening now with this? Look, so Sony hasn't really put any <laughs> games on the Xbox console, first-party Sony games on Xbox console, as far as I know. Oh, except for MLB yeah. the Show, right? Yeah, yeah. So that that's the baseball one. Um, that even came to Game Pass eventually, but uh, other than that, yeah, they haven't put any on that platform. Um, but they are doing things like Helldivers was day and date on PC as well, which and look how successful it is, right? Super so, successful. Like, it's clearly, yeah. it clearly works. Yeah. Like releasing dual releasing, like it works, and it's yeah. you know I, I'm not at being an expert, you know I do see. Microsoft taking first steps and then Sony playing catch up or Nintendo just ignoring it because that's what Nintendo does. <laughs> yeah. But 
essentially essentially that's what happens right like yep. xbox release games on xbox and pc pretty much every all the time every game is is a dual release almost yep. sony's now working out wait up that's actually double revenue that's more players yep. that's not going to hurt our brand why don't we give it a go and helldivers is the perfect example of successfully doing that and just to play devil's advocate yeah. here, I've sat there saying they're just, you know, being crazy saying it's going to be the end of Xbox. Their whole argument is that, you know, ex- exclusives are so important to a platform. If they start giving away their exclusives, uh, they're going to just fail as a company, um, which is, I, I don't know, I, I think it's a weird argument to make. No, there's no real evidence of that. It might be super successful for them. As you said, Aaron, we've already seen it be successful for games like Helldivers. This isn't even the first instance of this happening, so I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Psychonauts 2 came to PlayStation like last year or the year before, and I don't remember there being a big hubbub about it at the time. Maybe there was, and I just missed it. Um, That was part of a contract deal, though, when they bought... um that studio what's that studio called oh um, okay double uh, fine games yeah yeah double okay. fine so when they bought double fine there was already a contract in place saying that it had to go multi-plat it had to go to playstation as well but in saying that though zach there xbox is now the largest publisher on playstation now that they own at blizzard activision and bethesda mm. they now have the most games on playstation they have mm. no problems putting their games on playstation and they have no problems putting their games on switch like minecraft is one of the biggest sellers in the world you can play minecraft on pretty much anything at this point in time right yeah i, I just don't understand it like I-, I love sony and i love sony's games but I don't give a fuck about Sony's bottom line. I'd rather see they be successful so they can invest more money into their games. Um, and so the you know, people who are working there are, are comfortable. But I'm not sitting there like watching their stock price and freaking out if I see it drop. What, how, what, these people are just too invested in Xbox as a platform. It's wild to me that Xbox will make an objectively consumer-friendly move they're doing something that is better for consumers and they're getting pissed off about it. It makes zero sense to me whatsoever. Like, oh, you know, daddy company, can you please make it harder for other people to buy your games? Can you please be a more a, a worse corporation? Like, what are you going to start doing next? Ask for microtransactions? Like, it's just... It makes no sense to me whatsoever. These people are fucking nuts and i feel like they look like idiots after all this came out because it is just a big nothing burger it's nothing at all and xbox might just thrive for this and i i hope it does just because one because i like the move they're making and two just so these fucking idiots can have more egg on their face because they're (laughs) holy shit they're so dumb the last thing i'll say zach as well is um with this whole, you know, situation going down, everyone's like, they're going to be a third-party publisher like Atari, like Sega. They're going to leave and do all that. It's over. The death of Xbox. In that podcast, Sarah Bond said, we are extremely invested in hardware and we understand that hardware is absolutely pivotal moving forward because that's what the consumers want. And we are about... To, and when we announce our next console, it is going to be the largest technological leap in gaming from generation to generation so if anything that should prove that these guys are still going to consistently make consoles 
they're still going to be in the game as per normal. That shouldn't yeah. shake anyone kind of thing. It should invest confidence. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not really even that stressed about that. Mark, Phil Spencer has said he doesn't really give a shit where people are playing Xbox games. He's just like, you've got a screen and we can get Xbox game to you. Fucking fantastic. They still get money. You're still in their ecosystem. Um, even if they, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd believe that. I'd say they've at least got one more generation left in them. Um, the thing that more worries me that Xbox might be doing next will be going completely digital entirely. Uh, nah, we- they've already shut that down because okay. they've, they've said that the one thing about Xbox ever since 2016 when they announced backwards compatibility, they were saying then that game pres- preservation is at the forefront of what they do when they try to build consoles. They know that if you go full digital, you can pretty much say goodbye to a lot of game preservation then, right? If you've got a disc, what are you going to do with it now? It's all digital. Like, game preservation is at the forefront, so therefore there will always be a digital side to it, unless, of course, the entire consumer industry changes around what they want and they don't want digital anymore, then Xbox, like every other company, is going to follow that trend. But for the foreseeable future, while people still have discs and game preservation is at the forefront, I can't see them getting rid of a disc drive. They might do something like PlayStation did, right? Get an external one that you can buy separately and plug on if you want, but they can't get rid of it if you're going to keep game preservation at the forefront. Otherwise, you're, Mm. you're shooting yourself in the foot, right? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, you're more optimistic than me. I definitely think Xbox are looking to pivot to an all digital future. We saw the, when the leaks came out from the FTC case, we saw what the next iteration of the Series X is going to be, the Series XYZ or whatever. It was like the official Microsoft document. Yeah, the mid gen refresh. That was digital only. We did not see a disk drive on that one, and we did not see an alternative that had a disk drive. Why would so, you need it though? You already have a disk drive on the one that's there. Why would, it's a mid gen refresh? All they're doing is refreshing the console for the generation. You've already got one with a disk drive. I've literally got it sitting in my lounge room. So what? You, you, the people who want the upgraded one have to miss out, and if you want a disk drive, you got to get the old one. I don't know, man. That, Nothing's that, yeah. upgraded. It all it is here is the Series X without a disk drive. That is quite literally it. Like, there's nothing more to it. It's a I mid-gen it refresh. Like more... It's not a, a pro or anything. No. Oh, it's just a, a refresh. Okay. Then we're just changing the look of it, right? That's all it is. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm pretty sure it had, like, more disk space or something like that on it or, or something. Oh, maybe they might, yeah, add some storage onto it or anything. But from what I saw, there was no change of hardware. There was no upgrade in specs. Mm. It was, here is the Series X, now with a diskless version, in case you want to get that instead of the Series X. Uh, Series S, you know, the white one, the smaller one, yep. the other one? Yep. If you want something that's just as powerful, but without a disk drive, here's your option for that, because there literally isn't that option right now. Sony has it. I literally have the diskless version of the PS5. Yep. But Xbox don't have a diskless version of an Xbox Series X. Yeah, they got, only got the downgraded one. Uh, you know, it worked out kind of well that Lockie's laptop broke down because who better a person to have to talk about all this <laughs> insane Xbox shit than what seems like the only rational Xbox fan on the internet. <laughs> I'm just joking. Sony ponies are nuts too. When Horizon Forbidden West said it was coming to PC, they all fucking lost their shit about that. Cause it, and when they do that, I'll call them fucking idiots as well. Console warriors suck. You're all dumb. Let's talk about more console <laughs> stuff. Uh, this comes out of The Verge. was written by Tom Warren. Oh, fuck, yeah. Depressing. Sorry, peeps. We're going to get depressed. Sony. 
fucking fuck you, Sony says it's laying off around 900 employees of its PlayStation division. A reduction of its global headcount of around 8%. Sony's layoffs will impact a variety of its PlayStation studios, including Insomniac Games, Naughty Dog, Guerrilla Games, and Fire Sprite. Sony's layoffs are the latest in a wave that has been impacting the gaming and tech industry throughout 2024 and 2023 as well too. Several PlayStation studios are affected with Sony closing its London studio in the UK, which developed PlayStation VR games. Sony's Fire Sprite studio, which is also impacted, is the British studio behind PlayStation VR's Horizon Call of the Mountain game. Sony revealed last week that it's working on PSVR 2 support for PC. In a separate note, Herman Holst head of PlayStation Studios confirmed US-based studios like Insomniac Games and Naughty Dog are also affected alongside Sony's Guerrilla Studios based in Netherlands. Overall, employees across the Americas, Japan and EMEA and APAC regions will be impacted. The layoffs come just days after Sony missed a PS5 sales target, which led to Sony's stock price plummeting by $10 billion, while the PS5 outlook wasn't what Sony was expecting. Analysts also point towards a near-decade low games margin, suggesting that the cost of making games is eating into Sony's gaming margins. Torja, the deluge of layoffs in the gaming and tech industry just continues and continues. What are your thoughts on Sony laying off, yeah, close to a thousand employees? Well, it continues and continues to suck, doesn't it? Like, I don't know what what more is there to say about the layoffs in the gaming industry. It's just, it sucks. It really sucks because, like, the top dogs keep getting their big, big, big pay at pays at the end of the of the month, and the uh, mm-hmm. the small people are just getting fired. I, I I don't know what more there is to say. I I would actually like to like add something to this, mm. like. Sony is complaining that the PlayStation 5 didn't have good sales, but like for the first first what two years, nobody could get their hands on a PlayStation 5. So isn't that a problem that they created? Or <laughs> I, yeah, I don't so get what it. it is, Torsha, every year, like I'm only saying this because I work in business and I know this pretty yeah. well. Every year they do a refresh of forecast, right? So every year they look at what they sold the year before and go, we mm-hmm. need to increase growth. So we need to forecast higher kind of thing. So they've last year they looked at that and saw, okay, great. We sold X amount of units. However, this year our shareholders want us to at least grow that by 10%. Okay. So yeah. they wanted, I think from memory with the numbers, they had a forecast of 25 million units for this physical year. They sold Mm -hmm. 23. So they were down by 2 million kind of thing. And that was the problem. They do it year on year, but I do get what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Like in the COVID year, absolutely, their forecasters would have been shot to shit due to the the supply. But now that we're well past, well, well enough past COVID that it is distributed around the world, it's just a matter of over forecasting and the big weeks have to answer to that. But you're yeah. absolutely Thank you. right, though, Torja. The forecast was created by the big wigs. They're like, we estimate we're going to sell this amount. They didn't lose money. All right, let's be clear here. Sony still made profits. It's just their margins were slimmer than what they're yeah. expecting. So they still made money. 
They just didn't make just not as much as they would like. The fucking money, <laughs> exactly. It Fuck. is. It is so infuriating, and I'm right there with you, Torja. And I feel like we're just, especially on the on this podcast as well too, as we talk about these layoffs that are happening consistently. And we're like we're living in some fucked up Groundhog's Day because it's like, yeah, what do you say about this? It's like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yes, we have a system where the people who are at the top are going to be able to make bad decisions and the people down below them are going to have to pay for those decisions. And I think the thing about this with me is it just goes to show no one's fucking safe at all. This happened at Insomniac. Insomniac Studios. They have basically... Sony, Sony and PlayStation have been riding on the backs of Insomniac games this entire fucking generation. They have been releasing the best games so far and with this insane consistency that I do not understand... Uh, yeah it's 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 super fucked up to hear this happening obviously this is also happening at naughty dog as well too and one of sony's veteran studios possibly like you you hear naughty dog and you think sony it's so just emblematic of the company itself and they are having layoffs as well too fucking brutal and it fucking sucks and (laughs) there's still no end in sight. Every time I think, oh, that's got to be the last studio, you just hear about another studio. This, this wasn't even the only pr- high-profile one the last couple of weeks. We also had uh, the developers of uh, the Quarry and stuff. I think Supermassive, is it? Supermassive? I think it's them. Uh, they're laying off 20% of their staff. There's 150 of them Jeez. there. It might, might even be more. Uh, so, yeah, they're b- big layoffs there as well, too. And there's just no end in sight. Um, <laughs> yeah, Aaron, do you have anything to add to the miserable yeah. conversation? Yeah, also recently Electronic Arts as well had a whole heap of um, layoffs as well, cancelled one of their upcoming Mandalorian games. Um, but, oh, that's right. Fuck. You know, we, we just kind of spoke about what the solution could be, like already kind of thing with the last thing we said, right? Like, if you allow your games to go to multiple platforms, all of a sudden <laughs> your revenue <laughs> that you now uh, forecasted now gets even more higher, right? Now you've got X amount of million people jumping on board, paying that money, giving that revenue to you kind of thing. Before you know it, you've hit those those extra 2 million um, that you've lost in forecasting by a milestone, like well above that. Mm. This is what happens when you like silo yourself to a platform and you want to be exclusive and you don't want to play in the playground with everybody else this is what happens you have to sit there and you have to deal with whatever comes your way then and unfortunately good studios take a hit such as you know um uh insomniac and all of that you know why insomniac took a hit because spider-man is one of the best-selling games they are absolutely incredible that studio with what they create which means they also are worth the most money as well so all the executives and producers in there they're on a lot more money than what some of the other smaller sony studios are on which means that when they have to make these cuts they look at where are they going to make up the shortfall it's going to be in studios like insomniac where someone's on i don't know three hundred thousand or whatever more than that take that cut it sucks this is business but it could have been avoided is what i'm saying Mm. Yep. Oh, God. Well, we can move on from some misery and talk about some fun stuff for a bit now because this is possibly 
the release this year that I'm the most excited for. And I'm talking about compared to even entire games coming out. This is probably what I'm most pumped for. And we've been waiting for it for such a long time. We finally got a release date for the Shadow of the Erd Tree DLC for Elden Ring, as well as a cheeky trailer as well too. So Shadow of the Erd Tree is finally going to be coming out on the 21st of June. It's expecting to be around 40 bucks US and it's going to be 54.95 in dollary dues. <laughs> and apparently Tencent is also making a free-to-play version to go to mobile as well, too, which is pretty fucking wild. But yeah, holy shit, Shadow of the Earth Tree. The trailer is great. I am so excited. It looks... It's just more Elden Ring. But some of the bosses there look super cool. There's a whole bunch of new weapon types. There's a whole big new area to explore. They reckon it's going to be the same size as Limgrave for anyone who has played Elden Ring but more densely packed, which that area was already densely packed. I'm pretty sure I spent like 30, 40 hours just in Limgrave alone when I played through Elden Ring. So yeah, I, I am so stoked for this. I am I, I lent my copy to Hunter a while ago and I'm, I'm begging for it back before this, this release comes out because yeah, I'm just so fucking hyped. Aaron, I know you're a massive fan of, of Elden Ring. You had such a good time with it when you played it on your Xbox console. <laughs> you're going to grab the Digitally DLC. Digitally refunded within 24 hours, I think it was. I think it was under a day I digitally I, refunded I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either. That was the first one I did it for, so... <laughs> um, look, Zach, you know the, the part that, that just blows me away here, right? If this was Ubisoft if this was Activision, if this was any other company, any other game, really, mm. that said, hey, we're bringing out DLC, $54 for <laughs> DLC, you would lose your collective goddamn mind, wouldn't you? If it was like, here is uh, Far Cry 6 DLC, $54 Australian, please. You'd lose your mind. So the fact that people aren't losing their minds, such as yourself, and that are super excited to pay the $54 and and have this experience as DLC just goes to show that if the game is of quality and is renownedly accepted by the masses, then money does not become an object when it comes to extra content. Would I be wrong in saying that? Yeah, well, yeah, it just all depends on what they have on offer, uh from software have been working on this for two years which their their dev cycles are usually pretty quick like if they're, they're, they're like a few years in between games i think elden ring took like four or five years to develop so that much time spent purely on the dlc and they're just they're famous for their dlc it's i i, I you know i paid for phantom liberty close to 40 bucks but uh if i enjoyed cyberpunk i would have paid the 45 on the day of release for sure. If I know that it's going to be a good enough investment, I would never pay that much for a Far Cry expansion because I know I'm not going to be getting my money's worth if I buy a Far Cry uh, expansion. So it's all, all depends on who the developer is and yeah, what, what the expansions they've given in the past before. I'd even say if like, if Insomniac offered an, ex, uh, uh, an expansion for Spider-Man, which they are, they're going to be doing that. Um, I would say probably do this if you want to do the season pass, wait till it all comes out before you play through all that because those expansions are really, really short. But 
they usually only cost like for each segment of it like i think it was like 15 bucks or something like that so it's like 35 you end up paying in total so i don't know it's it, there's a fine balance with how much content you're getting and and how much you're paying i guess and i just i i trust from software to give me my money's worth and i'm just that hungry for some more fucking Elden Ring. I played 117 I am, hours. I am I'm happy for you though. Like generally, like you know, you know, we all have different tasting games and yeah. and that's fine, like right? Every game is subjective. So, I'm just super happy that the Elden Ring fans are getting what they want. They don't care about the price and it's something that they look forward to. So, I'm I really mm. hope that you like and I'm being serious. I really hope you do enjoy that and um and you let us know what you think. Oh man, if it's not worth the money, I will scream into my microphone that it's not <laughs> not worth it for sure but yeah i've got faith in from software with this one everything i've heard about their their past dlc has all sounded fantastic uh Torja, i don't believe you are a from soft fan are you no i'm not but if i would play the from software game it would definitely be the elden ring yep um it looks amazing it plays amazing and it's it looks really interesting and and yeah about the value it's it's what you guys were saying like i think the consumer is a little bit sick and tired of paying too much for things that are not good or not finished or ridden with bugs or something so yeah if if it is a consistent game uh good quality no bugs i mean i'm all for giving it the price that it deserves but Thing is, we're sick and tired of paying paying too much for like a mess. So yeah. Oh yeah, I've definitely bought a, a DLC from Ubisoft that I was not happy with. Oh fuck me, yeah. the expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I heard great things about, Dawn of Ragnarok or whatever it was called. I think that was around like fifty, sixty bucks when that came out as well too. And I bought you could you could buy a digital copy from eb games uh but yeah it was a digital copy so i couldn't return it and i didn't even finish that i was so pissed about that but yeah i don't think we're going to be having the same thing here with from software's updates i'll let you know in june well actually in july (laughs) at the start of the month in july my thoughts on that one but i'm very very hyped and yeah i have a lot of friends who are very hyped about that one as well and holy shit speaking of hype we have a new Pokemon game coming out. So this was announced at the most... It was like a... What do they call it? The Pokemon Direct or some shit? Or is it Pokemon Showcase? Pokemon Day? Uh, whatever. It's it's for Pokemaniacs. Apparently, <laughs> it's going to be an ambitious new entry to the Pokemon video game series called Pokemon Legends Z to A. <laughs> and it'll be released simultaneously worldwide on Nintendo Switch in 2025. An exciting new adventure awaits players within Lumio City, where an urban redevelopment plan is underway to shape the city into a place that belongs to both people and Pokemon. Torja, are you a Pokemon fan? And if so, are you excited about Pokemon Legends Z to A? Or Pokemon Legends Zar? <laughs> I am a super Pokemon fan, but... No switch here, so <laughs> it's ah, nothing okay. to happen for me, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what what it's going to be about. Like, does it sound like it actually has a plot to it? 
They're or talking about how, how the it... city's doing urban redevelopment yes. for people <laughs> yeah. living alongside Best Pokemon. Ever. Yeah, yeah, rush to the stands to buy that. Yeah, it's 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 really weird how they're describing it. But hey, it, yeah. they're, they're saying it's coming in 2025, and there's a lot of rumors yeah. that that's when the ne- next Switch console is going to be yeah. coming out. Could you see yourself maybe? picking it up with the next console if it does happen that way. Maybe. Like, I'm a bit bummed with Nintendo because, well, do, do I really have to explain it? Like, they, they're not consumer-friendly at all. <laughs> yeah, and... holy shit. <laughs> when we're having that multi-platform debate earlier, like, we, we didn't even... Yeah, exactly. We barely brought Precisely them up because it's that. like, they're, just, they're doing their own thing entirely, really. <laughs> Yeah, they don't care about anyone else. But yeah, maybe this will be the the game that will make me want to buy a Nintendo console again. We'll see about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just sad that I haven't played um, a recent, like in the last few years, uh, Pokemon game. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm really curious to see what's what's it going to be about. Mm, are you curious about Pokemon Zar, Aaron? Um. <laughs> Absolutely hell no, I am not. <laughs> like, I couldn't give a rat's ass about this entry of Pokemon. Um, it's not Gen 1, so get the gun. But um, also, the only thing that does actually interest me in this, and it's not even really Pokemon related, but at the end of the trailer, it did come up saying, releasing simultaneously worldwide in 2025. So, essentially, that would indicate to me that, yes, there will be two consoles at the time this releases, um, and it sounds to me like they're doing what they did with the Wii U, right? Here's Breath of the Wild on Wii U, here's Breath of the Wild on Switch kind of thing, because it's released in the same year as the new console. That park's got me excited, and that's about it. Are, are you sure that's what that means? Because my, my thought is that they're just... Because, the, you know, they do two versions of the game, so they're going to do Pokemon Z and Pokemon A releasing simultaneously on the same day. Because there's been no official announcement of a new console. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. They do normally do a part one and a part two, but normally they would announce that, though. So when they announced uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, they're like, here's coming to Switches, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. They normally announce them both together. They don't just normally surprise drop the second one. Uh, later down the track and go, oh, by the way, it's uh, Z-A over 3, or whatever the hell they're going to call the second version. But but I thought it was... Or Pokemon Z and Pokemon A. Yeah, but that's what I thought it was. I thought there's going to be Pokemon Legends Z and then Pokemon Legends A, and, you know, like with Scarlet and Violet, you've got to try and get... Yeah the different Pokemon from the different ones, they'll be exclusive. So when they advertise, then tell me if I'm wrong then, because you might be right. Like, that's actually valid. So... When they advertise for Pokemon Scarlet and what was the one before that, um, oh. uh, Sword and Shield, yes. did they announce it by going, we are now bringing out Pokemon Sword Shield, uh, we are bringing out That's Pokemon good- Scarlet Violet, and then you go, and then you worked it out later on going, oh, okay, so one is Violet and one is Scarlet. Like, is so that how they normally uh, do it? Yeah, yeah, but they would have said Pokemon Sword and Shield. So, did they yeah, just say that's Pokemon right. Legends ZA? They didn't say, like, Z and A? Or... I've already forgotten. So, if you, if you say Pokemon ZA, you would expect it that that's like one, game, one yeah. game, right? If you yeah. said releasing Pokemon Z and Pokemon A simultaneously, then I'd be like, right, that's two games, Z and A. Mm. Yeah, but interesting. That oh, wasn't no. the case in this reveal. 
What do you think, Torja? Do you reckon it's two games or one? I'm so curious. Well, that's that's a good point. I I don't know. Maybe they. I don't know. Maybe this one has a twist to it that that makes it like Z to A and A to Z or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, but yeah, that's a good point. It's just Pokemon A to Z. That's so dumb. <laughs> Reverse. That's what it <laughs> yeah. felt like to me. It's well, like oh, they've just run out of ideas. They're just like yeah, well, yeah, Z to A. Yep. <laughs> Maybe now we start off with eight gym badges, and then you you start losing it them until you get no gym badges, and that's the the twist of the story. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you're there, you're there, just whipping out gym badges to everybody. So, I guess I just watched the trailer and then made the assumption. So I I just made it up in my mind that that's how they were doing it. But you you could be onto something there, Aaron, because. If this this is Pokemon Legends, the only other Pokemon Legends game was Pokemon Legends Arceus, and there was only one, one version yeah. of that. So that yeah, tracks. Yeah. We'll wait and see. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm there with you, Aaron. I've been so disappointed in every Switch generation Pokemon game. I, I they're just so underwhelming, so undercooked, so in the past, like. Go- going to open yeah. world but making mistakes that used to be made during the PS2 GameCube generation. Super fucking weird and especially to come from a company that has so much fucking money. Pokemon is the biggest IP in the world. Pokemon as an IP has made more money than any other IP in the world and they can't afford a quality fucking Pokemon game get absolutely fucked so yeah look big wait and see for me if I if I'm caught up in the hype and I decide to get a Switch 2 and there's nothing else out on it it's like well fuck yeah I'm I'm getting that but I don't know outside of that I yeah I I just can't have any hype for Pokemon games anymore they just <laughs> I've been burnt too many times Nintendo and oh sorry Torji yeah uh, no, and and if it is a new new generation of console situation, as Aaron was saying, like I cannot like if it's it's going to be released in the new generation and this uh, generation, that doesn't sound good to me at all because it will probably mean the new generation version is not going to be as good as it could be, so for it to be able to run. On the oldest generation, which is going yeah. to be running like shit. That's yeah, norm- normally you're right. Like, normally, yes, like, the, the last generation doesn't run as well as the yeah. new generation does. Um, it all just depends on how critically acclaimed the game is, right? Like, Breath of the Wild, like I mentioned before, was a critically acclaimed game. So, because that game was so critically acclaimed, no one gave a shit that it was on Wii U and also on Switch. And people did play it on Wii U mm-hmm. with glitches, but it wasn't that bad. No one really talked about it because the game itself was incredible. If they're doing yeah, something but- like that, where it's a generational, mind-blowing game, then people probably won't care that it's not running the best on Switch kind of thing. But it, it, hasn't hap- it happened with Breath of the Wild, but it hasn't happened with any Pokemon release so far. No, it's not always Pokemon. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, all- it's, they are critically acclaimed games, or at least the IP is, and bleh, it's always like a mess when they come out. 
And just to back you up there, Torja, as well, too, that there wasn't actually a very big leap between Wii U mm-hmm. and Nintendo Switch because Wii U was such a disaster. They moved on to the Switch quicker. That generation was a lot shorter. And the Switch went mm-hmm. completely handheld, so they didn't focus as much on processing power. So, yeah, there is the Switch is more powerful than the Wii U, and the Switch version of Breath of the Wild did run better, but it's not... The jump, it's, there's going to be a bigger jump between these two. I'm hoping, fuck, Nintendo would want to have bare minimum PS4 yeah. processing power. If they don't hit that, pack it in. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I want to just be able to play <laughs> fucking indie games at a consistent frame rate. I don't think yeah, that's asking can't. too much, Nintendo. No. You fucks. Ah. They kind of have to, Zach, because the power of a P- of a Switch right now is equal to a PS3 and to an Xbox 360. Mm. They have the same power. <laughs> so you would think that if you're doing an upgrade, you've got to go to the next generation, which yeah. is PS4 and Xbox One, right? So oh, at least that. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that definitely wasn't an upgrade <laughs> over previous iterations was Rocksteady's most recent title, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Now, we talked about this on the last episode of News to Reviews. I just wanted to have a quick catch-up on how they're doing. So, <laughs> right now, Suicide Squad is has 60% on Metacritic with a 3.4 user score. And in an earnings call, Warner Brothers Discovery Chief Financial Officer Gunnar Wiedenfels said that it fell short of expectations. Yeah, holy shit, I would believe it. I had a look at the Steam charts earlier this month. I couldn't believe it. The 24-hour peak was at 608 players, with the 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 current amount of players at the time was 286. Now I'll just, I'll just stick to for the rest of them. I'll just stick with the 24-hour peak. So, <laughs> Suicide Squad, most recent Rocksteady game, eight or nine years in development. 688 plays and 24-hour peak at that exact same time. Batman Arkham Knight, the title that released nearly 10 years ago, had nearly 5,000 concurrent plays in their 24-hour peak. A 10-year-old game had almost 10 times the players in a 24-hour peak. Holy shit. Even Arkham City had over 2,000 players in a 24-hour peak and... Arkham Asylum also had over 2,000 players in a 24-hour peak. That's a, That game came out in 2009. It's 15 years old. <laughs> and it's got more concurrent players than a live service game. Now, bear in mind, I had a look at the time at a successful live service game. One that right now isn't doing very well, Destiny 2. Destiny fans aren't happy and Destiny is in its worst position it's been in in years. They had over 30,000 concurrent players, right? So put that into perspective. That's a game that came out years and years and years and years ago and they have over 30,000 concurrents and a brand new live service game where the start, the release, is the biggest time where they're supposed to have the most players. Yeah, sitting at well less than a thousand peak concurrence their all-time peak wasn't even that great it was at, at not even fourteen thousand. Oh, holy shit torture suicide squad kill the justice league is i i don't think there's any other way around it it's it's an abject massive failure what are your thoughts 
Well, I do not care about live service games at all. I could mm-hmm. not care less about Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And... Ah, uh, yeah. Next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> right there with the Torja. Aaron, do you concur? Yeah. Like, again, this is another business decision, right? Like, this yeah. isn't based... This isn't for the players. This is for the business. What Warner Brothers sit down and go, you know, all it takes is for one live service game to be up there and be a winner... And all you, and then you have an incredible revenue stream that just does not stop. Look at Epic Games, yeah. right? Fortnite comes in, massively popular, biggest revenue stream, live service. Now they can make Unreal Engine five, and they have so much revenue now that it just runs the company for the next ten years. But yeah. doing that though is like going to a casino with all your money and going, "I'm going to chuck all on black." And the yeah. whole business is like, ah, oh, gee, I don't know about that. That's a lot of money to go on black. What if we lose that? They're like, no, 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 no. If we win, though, if we get one live service game that does it, it will be Fortnite and we are done for, we're set for the next, you know, 10 years, blah, blah, blah. They all had a big reportery meeting. They sat down. They looked at all their IPs and go, okay, we've got Mordor and uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We've got <laughs> um, Harry Potter. Yeah, but they already just brought out a game, so maybe not. Okay, we've got the Batman franchise. Ah, there we go. So we've got three good games that they built on uh, Rocksteady's built that have such a massive following and such a massive fan base. This is perfect because Suicide Squad is at the height of its popularity with the two movies and people want to dress up like Harley Quinn and blah, blah, blah. So this would be a good bet to chuck everything in on and go into it. What they fail to remember, though, and the business doesn't look at things like this. This is what we do as consumers. The business doesn't go down to a consumer level, though, and go, yeah, but would it be fun? They don't do that. Yeah. They don't look at what would be fun or uh, what does it play like the other games that have such a high regard. No, 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 no. That means jack shit to someone in an office mm. at the very top around a boardroom. That means absolutely nothing. What means something is the brand's there We've got the reputation. It should carry us the rest of the way, no matter what kind of game we make. And they went and made that atrocious piece of yeah. shit. Yeah. And all the players saw that and were like, this isn't what I want. I wanted Batman Arkham Asylum. I wanted Batman uh, Origins, all those old games. So that, to your point, Zach, they all just went and played that, didn't they? They all just yep. went, you know what? Screw Suicide Squad. Yeah. I want to go back and enjoy what actually Rocksteady did do, right? And that's why you see the spike in everything else. Makes perfect sense. Just a stupid business decision. I feel the same. Like, I loved Arkham City because of the game that it is. Because of the type of game that it is. If they released Arkham City uh, live service game, I wouldn't care. And that's what happens. Like, not the type of game that's going to bring me back to the series if it's not the same type of game. So, yeah. You know what? In this earnings call where they talk about how Suicide Squad didn't hit expectations they reference how well they did with hogwarts legacy the year before hogwarts legacy was a single player game yeah <laughs> and they, i hope they learn the right lesson from this and they focus more on single player based stuff now and not this live service bullshit but i'll i'll trust that yeah. when i see it hogwarts legacy sold it's it's sold over 24 million copies that's like rockstar levels of copies sold yeah. like red dead 2 did those kinds of numbers in its first mm-hmm. year or two uh yeah it's <laughs> those big wigs, zach they're not looking at 
what type of game Hogwarts Legacy is, though. They're not looking at that. They're not looking at an open-world first-person game. They're not looking at that. They're looking at the brand itself. Harry Potter, like, is what they're looking at, going, people reacted so well to a Harry Potter game, a Hogwarts game. Suicide Squad has just the same amount of following, or if not more, if not less, I don't know, they do their figures, right? They thought that that was going to carry them, no matter what type of game they made. They were wrong because they, they're not in touch with what the actual players want. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. absolutely right, Torja. It's the kind of game. No one cares about the IP. I would have loved to... Yeah. If I thought this game was going to be a, a single-player thing that was narrative-based, or hell, even like co-op, but not always online and live service, I would have been so much more excited because that's what Rocksteady's yeah. given to me in the past, and that's the shit that I love. Uh, yeah, weird. Weird way to spit on your audience. But hey, hopefully the games coming up in the next month aren't going to be spitting on their audience. Here we go. So just a reminder, I curate this list. If there's any titles I've missed from the month of March, be sure to reach out and let us know on Spotify or on the socials. So we have coming March 5th to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and Xbox One, the Outlast Trials. So that's like the Outlast horror games, but it's the co-op survival version. Uh, WWE 2K24 is coming to all platforms March 5th. Uh, Unicorn Overload is coming to all platforms except for PC, weirdly. And it's not coming to Xbox One, yet it's coming to PS4. So, uh, I don't know, whatever. That's a tactical RPG coming March 8th. Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection is coming to all platforms March 14th. It's looking to be around 53 bucks AU and 31.50 US. MLB The Show 24 is coming to all platforms March 19th. That's the game that used to be the PlayStation first party exclusive. Outcast A New Beginning. So another Outcast game is also coming out in March. Uh, coming to PC, PS5 and Xbox Series X March 15th. Hi-Fi Rush is coming to PlayStation 5 March 19th. Don't know why that's not coming to PS4. Seems like a mistake to me considering it's coming to Switch especially. Alone in the Dark 2024 reboot is coming to PC, PS5 and Xbox Series X March 20th. Dragon's Dogma 2 is coming to PC, PS5 and Xbox Series X March 22nd. Princess Peach Showtime is coming to Nintendo Switch also March 22nd. And finally, Rise of the Ronin is coming to PS5 March 22nd. That's an action RPG. Oh, I missed one more. South Park Snow Day is coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, and Nintendo Switch March 26th. Torja, I know that was a long list there, but did any of those titles stand out to you? Yeah, I I looked up Unicorn Overlord and it looked very interesting. So I may check that one out. Um, Outcast A New Beginning, I saw people raving about the previous one and they were very excited and actually kind of looked good. And finally, South Park. If I know this is a 3D version of a South Park game, but if it is as good as the 2D ones, I love them. So, yeah. I, yeah, those I, I'm right there with you, Torjo. Those, those 2D South Park RPGs are fantastic. I had such a great time playing both of those. They're the best South Park content in the last 10 years, in in my opinion. Yeah. 
I don't have the same hopes for Snow Day. A lot of it is based on, yeah, going 3D with a South Park game. It just seems fucking nuts to me. I guess you kind of have to do that for the kind of game they're doing with the dungeon crawly looking brawling sort of stuff but you know matt and trey i have faith in them they usually won't sign their name to shit they don't think is quality so hopefully it turns out okay uh aaron any of them stand out to you um really just rise of the ronin kind of does um out of all of them like as long as it's got a difficulty slider because you know me i don't want Souls-like games, and I've kind of heard this may or may not be. It's kind of borderlining Souls. So if it's got an easy mode or anything like that, I'm all in for that, because that kind of looks like a fun kind of Ghost of Tsushima cross-Assassin's Creed type game. Are you going to tell me it does? Well, yeah, you're you're in luck, Aaron, and, and I think this is fantastic as well too. Honestly, uh, you know, if, if developers don't want to put easy modes in their game, I think that's fine, but I'm going to praise it when they do because quite simply it makes the game more accessible to more people and i think that is only a good thing and yeah rise of the ronin's going to have three difficulty options dawn dusk and twilight so yeah i just imagine that's an easy medium and hard so there you go aaron yeah lovely that's what i like to hear i wish uh souls games would just do that as well kind of thing but that's fine that will be the one that i'll probably pick up in march uh the only other one that kind of piqued my interest there is Princess Peach, only because that looks like a different type of Nintendo-style game. Like, it's not just your classic, uh, you know, open-world Mario game or your 2D platformer kind of game like Donkey Kong. So I'm kind of more interested to see what that's a little bit more about when the time comes. Mm. With South Park, I love South Park, and I was actually there day one when they brought out the 3D South Park games, like the original South Park on Nintendo 64 and South Park Rally and all of that. Uh, that were critically panned, but I, I still oh, yeah. like them. Yep. <laughs> but this one, I have no idea what it is, Zach. You just said Dungeon Crawler. That's probably the first I could put any sort of genre to it. So uh, yeah, I just want to wait and see. I honestly, I don't even know if that's really a correct moniker for it. Like, I'm, I'm thinking maybe more of a, of a brawler, but then you can do some ranged stuff as well. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. We haven't really seen any extended gameplay. It's always like just cut up shit is it sandboxy is it like a sandbox environment or is it like an adventure like i don't know red dead you know open world off you go what what is it i couldn't really understand from the trailer yeah it's it's hard to tell because there's moments where it looks like the camera is sort of pulled in a bit more but then there's other moments (laughs) where it looks like it's pulled back i don't know if there's different game modes maybe you you like can do base building or something i i i don't fucking know i'm gonna be checking it out for sure when it comes out and i'll uh I'll let you know, Aaron. I'll let you know what what is up with it. Um, ones I'm interested in here, things like, you know, Hi-Fi Rush, I'm interested in. I think I'll wait for a sale, though. Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection could have been super, super cool. I've had a look at it, and it's just a fucking port. That's it. It's like, holy shit. It's a PS2 game. I don't want fucking ports of PS2 games. Do a remake or fuck off. Uh, it's going to be including all the stuff, but yeah, they're charging $53 for two PS2 games with a bit of extra content there with it as well, too. Apparently, even they've added in a couple of extra heroes, and they've been accused of using a PC mod to include these heroes without 
uh, crediting the, the guy who made the mod for these heroes. And the mod that they're using is even an older version <laughs> of the mod. And there's an updated one that he's made that has better animations <laughs> as well too. So they're stealing like the worst versions of, of other people's work who've done it for free. And they're going to profit off it. So I don't know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not feeling the greatest about the Battlefront Classic Collection, which sucks because I have some very fond, nostalgic memories of playing those games growing up, like sitting on, sitting on my mate's carpet that was all stained with fucking soft drink and shit while we sat there playing split-screen Battlefront and having, like, full galactic wars against each other. It was... it was. Uh, I'm not even a Star Wars fan, and I just had a fucking blast playing that game. It was really cool, and the new Battlefront games really don't... Uh, elicit the same kind of feelings that you get from the old ones like they, they yeah they just weren't very good um alone in the darks got the dude from fucking uh stranger things david arbor is that his name david harbor arbor, arbor. it's it's either arbor or harbor there you go <laughs> david harbor um yeah I, I i don't know the originals but uh seeing his face in it but kind of trip me out a little bit dragon's dogma 2 i have pre-ordered i've got money on that shit it looks kind of interesting it looks like an rpg with like almost like a little bit of monster hunter mechanics and how you can like ride some of the dragons and shit that you're trying to take down um it's one of those ones where maybe i'll wait to see what reviews are like but also there's not a lot to play right now i'm kind of thirsting for something new uh, to experience and so maybe I'll give it a go and I don't know Dragon's Dogma so far I'm seeing more stuff that has me interested than what I've seen with Rise of the Ronin I'm a bit worried with how jank Rise of the Ronin looks um, and the the Team Ninja games I've played in the past have felt a little bit janky I'm not the biggest fan of how they feel to play so I am not too sure about those but yeah those are the ones that I am interested in throughout the month of March I, I don't know in my opinion it, it continues to be a pretty sad year for <laughs> game releases um, as far as what we what we're getting this year to think that the thing I'm most excited for is DLC that's coming out in June is uh, definitely a, says something about the year we're having in video games Space Marine <laughs> oh, yeah, Space Marine 2 that's not coming out till like September though, right? September. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Happy birthday to me. Um, I'm keen to pick that one up with you, Aaron, but I'm sorry, it's definitely not not piquing my interest as much as uh, Shadow of the Earth Tree is. That is for sure, but that'll do us for our games coming up in the next month. Let's take a brief break and then we'll jump back on in with the games that we've been playing. Torja, you are our guest. It is tradition on News to Reviews for our guest to get us kicked off with impressions. What have you been playing this week, my friend? Well, this okay, month. so I've been <laughs> playing this month. I've been playing Nobody Saves the World. It's mm. a cute little game that released in 2022 from Drinkbox Studios. And it's it. an RPG it's a very RPG game in the okay. sense that you are nobody and you find a <laughs> wand that allows you to change forms. Uh, so you can be a horse, a rat, a ranger, um, a magician, a zombie, etc. And all of those forms or classes, as you like to call them, you can evolve them 
level up with them and gain new abilities and new skills. And you can even switch up the skills between one form to and another. Um, And you have a massive map to explore. It's a really cute and cute. I wouldn't say cute, but it's a really fun game and funny game. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, so yeah, you have to save the world, as the the name says, and yeah, you just walk around fighting baddies, doing quests, and yeah, it's a it has a very interesting art style too. Yeah, I've actually played a small amount of this one. Can I can I guess here, Torji, you're playing this because this was a PS Plus game for February? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Susan sort of yep. like, yeah, she's definitely playing that through PS Plus. Um, yeah, it's got that sort of hand-drawn sort of looking art mm-hmm. style, but kind of like, you know, uh, kind of infantile, like look like what, like you know, maybe a teenager might scribble in the, in the yeah. margins of their schoolwork or, or some shit. But, yeah, definitely a cool and inviting sort of art style. Now, I, for some reason, do not remember a single other thing about it. What, who, are you, who are you saving the world from? Nobody. Oh. Uh, Wait, nobody's saving, saving the, the world. world from. Who's, yeah. But who's uh, ruining the world to Well, do you want me to get into... You want me to get into plot details or I don't know if it's... Well, it came out in 2022. It doesn't really matter. Well, if it's just like... The, so, uh, so you're not aware of who's trying to... Who the enemy is. There's a calamity over uh. the world. Everything is getting uh, all fungus-like, covered in fungus and stuff like that. Ooh. And you have to um, rescue or find um, a magician or a magician, a sorcerer or something like that, that is going to save the world. And that is your quest. He's supposedly the one that can get rid of the calamity. Um, and yeah, then, then you find out stuff and I, I really don't want to like get into the details of late game plot, but it's not, it's really not very, okay. it's not for the plot that you play it. It's just a fun game. Oh, okay. So if it's not the plot, if it's not the silly sort of story it has going, what, what is it about Nobody Saves the World that is pulling you through? Is it the, the gameplay? Is it the world itself? It is the gameplay, and it's a really um, instant gratification thing. Okay. Not in the bad sense, I would say, but since you have so many um, forms to level up, and your basic form also has leveling up things, so every time, like just by going around the map, picking up health items, killing baddies, even that levels up. Okay. So you... I'm always like getting the that dopamine release. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> and I really like the gameplay, like the the versatility versatility that it gives you to to in combat. Really, if you like more of a ranged style of of attack, you can equip abilities with a range ranged abilities. You have status altering stuff. You have minions you can summon. So okay. it's it can be a bit repetitive. I'm not going to lie, yep. but yeah, it's just one of those. It, it gives me that completing itch. Uh, it scratches that completing stuff itch for me. Okay, nice. So when you're changing forms, do, does the gameplay change as well too, or the abilities that your character can use? Yeah. You have a main attack for every form, and then you can you have 
specific uh, special abilities for each of the forms, but then you can switch those up. So I can have the um, gallop from the horse applied to the mouse and makes <laughs> the mouse go really, really quick. <laughs> or you can equip a shield from the turtle into the magician. Or you can grab the magician um, ability to summon rabbits to fight by your side and put it in the zombie. Stuff Ooh, like that. Do you pull so, the rabbits out yeah. of a hat? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I like it. I'm digging the vibes of of uh, yeah. nobody saves the world. Maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance, especially seeing it's a PS Plus game. It's just literally yeah. just sitting there on my my dashboard. Maybe I should just give it a give it a little bit more time because it's also I had a look at Drinkbox Studios because that name <laughs> sort of jumped out at me, and they did uh, Guacamelee. Which I enjoyed yeah. uh, Guacamelee. I'm pretty sure I finished Guacamelee 2 as well. Um, and I believe they did Severed as well, which was a super popular game. I th- I never played Severed, but I heard really good things about it. So, it's a studio with a, a really good pedigree. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, this only came out a couple of years ago. So, they're, hopefully they're working on something new to come out soon. But yeah, that sounds really cool. Have you finished Nobody Saves the World? I'm probably about 80% in. I'm almost finishing, I think, at least from the the amount of revealed map that I that I have. Yep. Um but yeah, I've just it's just I know you like to like put a podcast on and just play a mindless game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's this one is perfect for that. Uh, okay, yes, yeah, you're speaking my language, Torja. Now that that eighty percent, do you think you've gotten far enough to put a review score on it, or do you want to leave it there for now? Yeah, I don't think it will change much. As I said, it's it's a bit repetitive, so I don't think it will. I will be much impressed about what is still to come. Okay. Um, I would give it maybe a seven out of ten. Okay. Because it's All a right. fun game, but there's not. It's not like Baldur's Gate three plot uh, things going on. It's just a really simple, entertaining little game. Okay, nice. Nobody saves the world. If you have a PlayStation, <laughs> well, it's too late now because it was a February PS Plus game. But <laughs> <laughs> if you added that to your library, make sure you do check it out. Aaron, what have you been playing over the last month? Yeah, so this year's got me excited because one of my favorite types of games is coming out in September, which we kind of alluded to before, and that's Space Marine 2, uh, the Warhammer 4000 Space Marine 2. So I thought I'll go back in time and play the first one. Um, I am a retro gamer, so I don't mind going back in time and playing something that a lot of people would look at now and go, oh my God, 30 frames, yuck, all that. Uh, I can deal with that. So I went back and pulled out the 360 um, and fired up Space Marine 1. And holy shit, I am so pissed with myself that I didn't pick this one up when it came out. I think it was just the Warhammer stigma because I wasn't a Warhammer fan. So probably that's why I just let it go. But God, this gave me everything I wanted. Like, everything. I, um... 
I tried, guys, to look up to see what games it plays like that's on PlayStation that would kind of help you guys digest this a bit more because I know that you're not uh, Xbox players. And I'm sorry, but I can't. You're going to have to dumb it down for us fucking Sony idiots. Yeah, use some real simple language. I can't comprehend your big brain Xbox titles, Aaron. No, I tried. I tried. But uh, no, unfortunately, the two games this plays like are the two exclusives from uh, Xbox. So this game plays exactly like a mix between Gears of War and Halo. (laughs) Um, Like the perfect blend of both of those two in so many different aspects. Uh, It has like the fun kind of mowing down alien feel of Halo, which was so much fun when you got a wave coming at you and you could just mow them down, you watch them all drop, so much fun. Um, And you've got the gore and violence and uh, that grittiness that Gears brings, especially with melee combat. Like, in Gears, you have a chainsaw lancer, so if someone, if a locust comes up to you, you can literally chainsaw them in half in this kind of cool cinematic. With this one, you get three different types of, uh, like, melee weapons, and they all go into these brutal cinematic kills. One is actually a chainsaw, um, and it's just (laughs) absolutely incredible. Like, every time I see one of those kills, I just fucking lose it. Yeah. Just just so everyone knows out there, like, I know this is kind of psychopathic because, uh, you know, I love violence and gore and, and all of that kind of stuff when it comes to video games. But I'm actually a nice guy. Uh, Zach, you can back me up on that, right? <laughs> this is where you talk, Zach, and you say yes. Uh, yeah, sure. Yep. Aaron's a great guy. For some reason, he won't let me see what's in his basement. I don't know. He's always very like cagey and secretive about that. But outside of that, I think he's tops. He's fantastic. In, in my basement is every PS uh, console. I just hide it from you. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying violent games. Like, holy shit, Mortal Kombat is a pillar in the fighting game community. That is some gory as hell fucking shit. You know, it's, if, if it's cartoon, if it's not real whatever it's just art it's people expressing themselves whatever you're into get the fuck stuck if it helps it. Yes. you channel your anger into into what it really matters i think it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> and now like look i've played the last of us part two that's one of the goriest games ever yeah. and not only is it like gory it's just not fun it's like harrowing yeah. and and brutal and emotionally devastating on top yeah. of being like really fucked up and gory. So yeah, who am I to judge? And yeah, hearing about Space Space Marine it, it like it, I just hear the name I'm like that's an Aaron ass Aaron game <laughs> right there. Ho- mowing down hordes of enemies. Um yeah, I I'm down and I- I'm keen for Space Marine too. Like it's it's ticking all the boxes for just a fun co-op shooter to play with each other. It's going to be cross-platform. I'm in day one. I'm excited to have a day one uh, uh, multiplayer game to play with you. I don't think we've... Yeah, we haven't done it yet. Like, we've only ever, like, played games here or there if we've, like, visited each other's places. So, yeah, yeah. I'm super keen for that. I've been playing uh, Days Gone at the moment, and there's a horde mechanic in that with the zombies where you have, like, masses and masses of zombies on screen. Like, some hordes, I think the biggest ones are, like, 250 or 500 zombies. And, and it's just having that many enemies 
run at you is just a sight to behold and is fucking exhilarating and the trailers I've seen for Space Marine 2, it evokes that same kind of feeling. There's just so many hordes of these uh, fucking alien bug things running at you. Is it, is it a similar thing here with Space Marine 1? Are there just sheer insane numbers of enemies on screen? Not so much like overwhelming numbers like you mentioned with Days Gone or anything like that. It, it is mm. like more waves. So like you'll okay. you'll, ta- you'll go to an area. This, this is kind of very Gears of Warish. You'll go to an area that's kind of open and there's some cover there, and you'll get a wave of enemy come at you. It's not like an overwhelming force. So you might end up with twelve enemies on screen kind of thing, and they're all ducking and covering and all that. And then okay. once you get past that enemy, then you need to progress to the next area and kind of rinse and repeat. I- well, that looks different to what I've seen in Space Marine 2. Because in Space Marine 2, it looked like you were seeing, like, 50 enemies coming at you at once. It, 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 am I right to say that? Yeah, you are right. Like, that w- that that will probably be... I mean, it's hard to see what, you know, this September game is going to be. But that probably will yeah. be one of the big differentiators between Space Marine 1 mm. and Space Marine 2. And you've got to keep in mind, too, that it's not the same developer. It's a completely different developer making Space Marine 2 because uh, the developer for Space Marine 1 was Relic Entertainment that was owned by THQ. Um, THQ went bankrupt in, I think it was around 2010 or 2011, so not long after this game came out. They sold off all of their assets, including South Park, The Stick of Truth, that went to Ubisoft. Um, and they sold this one to Sega. So Sega ended up with the rights to Space Marine then, and Sega then got Saber Interactive to make um, the one that's coming out in September. So completely different publisher, completely different developer. Interesting. That's super weird because Relic Entertainment still exists. Apparently they made Age of Empires 4. Which is ah, so they must still <laughs> operate under what Sega then? They're, yeah, I, I don't know. They a, must have been. They, they, they were they were obviously sold to somebody when uh, THQ went down. Well, didn't um, when THQ went down, didn't like TH? They're probably owned by Embracer Group, right? Because I think THQ Nordic bought THQ stuff and then changed their name to embracer or something i don't know there was like some weird shit that went on there (laughs) with a whole bunch of companies purchasing each other because it was thq nordic and then normal thq and one of them shut down but not the i I don't know anyway yeah no you're right they (laughs) rebranded okay so they rebranded okay there you go oh interesting well yeah i'm keen for space marine 2 as of uh space as for space marine one aaron um yeah is there anything else you want to say about it uh, no, this is just like full on action. Like, uh, yeah. you know, you, you feel powerful. It's a powerful kind of feeling game where like you Love feel it. like you can dominate, you know, like I played it on hard Ooh, and kinky. I died a ton of times, um, but it still felt doable kind of thing. And it just, I don't know, you get like this overwhelming feeling when you, you just mow down like a, an unstoppable horde that's coming at you kind of thing. And then you move on and you see a massive cinematic. It was it was such a great feeling. It reminded me of the first time I played Gears and Halo and yeah, no, it's an incredible game. So the one thing that I have no anticipation for, for Space Marine 2 is the narrative. I'm just <laughs> expecting to see aliens and a shoot at them. Is, is that what's going to happen here? Is the story kind of taking a backseat to the action? Yeah, I think, 
I think I told you guys when I finished it, like, to me, it's a pretty high, I gave it a high mark, but I did drop the mark because, yeah, the story is like, you start off trying to understand it, it's like, oh, yeah, kind of, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and then after a while, you're like, who gives a shit what the story is? Yeah. Just get me to the next area so I can kill all these aliens. It's kind of that. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling it'll, it'll just be like a, proper yeah. noun fest you know oh we got to get to the blazel wops to make sure we take down all the heebie-jeebies and so, yeah, then that's, we'll yeah. win independence day <laughs> and that's where it differs from like halo and gears right like i literally the first game i ever cried in was gears 3 like that had an incredible story kind of thing and like mm. this doesn't like it has that kind of feel like of gears and halo but, yeah, the story is nowhere close to anywhere that you could relate to those blockbuster games kind of thing. Like, do not play this game for the story. Okay, <laughs> that's totally fair. Isn't it weird that there's two games coming out this year that are co-op shooters about shooting alien bugs? I wonder if there's yeah. an Earth Defense Force coming out this year, because there then is. that's yeah. three... <laughs> <laughs> How is there three? They make it like every second year. <laughs> it's fucking wild that there's three uh, uh, alien bug shooty games coming out the same year. It's like there's um there's a game that that came out. It's either it's either already come out this year. Or it came out last year, and it's basically grounded, but it's got a different name. Oh fuck! It's like called Big World or something like that. And it's a survival game where you're shrunk down and you're in a backyard fighting bugs and shit. <laughs> it's so yeah. it's so weird. Like how do how do these exact same concept games get made at the exact same time? I I do not know. Um, Aaron, do you have a review score for the original Space Marine on Xbox 360? Yeah. Just before I give that score, though, please remember it's subjective. Right, like uh, I like it because of the violence. As opposed the gore. to all of our other objective, <laughs> scientifically measured review scores we've given, this is the first one that's going to be a subjective one. But um, you know what I mean, like right? Everyone, I'm sure, put up your hand if you don't like Elden Ring, right? I'm the only idiot that's going to put my hand up. Like that's what I mean, kind of thing. Like you know, just because I dislike something that the yeah. masses love, you know. So yeah, no, um, I, I'm glad you're prefacing <laughs> that people don't like your opinion, Aaron. It's fair. Yeah, that's right. And they can go fuck themselves. But yeah, you know, I just thought, you know, it's subjective. So, you know, if I like My Little Pony the game and you guys don't, shut up your ass, you know? <laughs> um, it's got everything I love. Uh, everything I love. Uh, and you know me, Zach, it's an Aaron game. So I gave it a 9 out of 10. And the only yeah, yeah. reason why it's not a 10 and a masterpiece is we already discussed one of it. The story, just, yeah, whatever. Um, and it can just, it, it it's seventh generation. It's a, a PS3 and Xbox 360 game. So you it feels gritty and a tiny bit clunky. So I would never recommend this game for you, Zach, because I know that, you know, you like the more flashier, you know, 60 frames kind of smoother games. This ain't yep. that. You're going to okay. notice this one straight off the bat. So please don't play it. Just wait for Space Marine 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I, I don't think there's a way I can go back to it anyway, because it would have been on PS3 on PlayStation. So it's probably not available on PS4 or PS5. Um, but yeah, I'm keen to get into Space Marine 2 when that one does pop around in September. Now... As far as what I've been playing, it's been pretty cool moving the podcast to monthly as far as my own 
personal gaming has been because rather than you know every single week being like fuck what am I going to talk about on the podcast what new thing can I play what can I look at now I'm purely just been playing shit because I want to play it <laughs> it's been fantastic and apologies that I yeah I didn't play Helldivers 2 I said I would I don't know I think it's one of those ones I I'm actually feeling a bit of FOMO about it it looks really cool the reviews are great it's insanely successful um but i think for me it's still a wait for a a sale for me so when when it does go on sale i'm going to be begging all of all of you to be picking up a copy at the same time so we can jump on into it so we'll see what happens there instead what i have been playing is days gone but i'm not going to talk about that because what i have been playing is Batman Arkham Asylum. That's right, I just got the platinum for that one, but I'm not going to talk about that. What I have been playing is Batman Arkham City. I'm working on the platinum for that one right now, and I'm having such a good time, but I'm not going to be talking about that. What I've also been playing... Curveball after curveball. (laughs) Is Cyberpunk 2077. (laughs) So I picked up the Phantom Don't talk about that one either. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Yes, I know how you feel about (laughs) about Cyberpunk, Aaron. I know your thoughts on Cyberpunk. Um. Now, when when it came out back in 2020, you know, it goes without saying it, the release was just an absolute fucking disaster. Oh my God, this is driving me crazy. Stay. Stay. All right, we're good. <laughs> Archie's going to think I'm talking to him. Um, yeah, the, the release of Cyberpunk 2077 back in 2020 was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, CD Projekt Red lied through their teeth throughout the, that whole launch. It was awful. Now, I picked up Cyberpunk at release, and then they did a free upgrade to the PS5 version. I checked it out about a year or so ago, and I was like, wow, it's way, way better. But I don't know, I'm not ready to jump back into Cyberpunk 2077 again. But with the release of the DLC and another massive update where they revamped the entire skill tree and skill system and how a lot of the... Uh, mechanics work in the game such as like the police and stuff like that I decided all right it's time expansion there there's new content the expansion reviewed very well CD Projekt Red have made my favorite video game expansion of all time which is the Witcher Blood and Wine that expansion is just incredible it could have been its own game in its own right talk about a game that's definitely worth its fucking value so I'm like yeah Idris Elba Give it to me. I'm fucking down. And it, it takes a little while to get up to that point where you can get to Dogtown because I, I did start a, a new game. Thankfully, I had already played through most of the intro from when I picked it up a little while ago. So I could skip that very slow <laughs> sort of start part, the first few hours where they're introducing you to the world and all the mechanics and stuff. And yeah, holy shit, the way Phantom Liberty begins is just absolutely wild. I didn't know a lot about the story. All I will all I will mention here is the game starts with the president of the new United States being shot down from uh, Space Force 1 uh, into Dogtown. Now, Dogtown is an area of Night City, which has been basically what it was. There was a, a big civil war 
in uh, in the new United States. And at the end of the war, there was a, uh, a general who basically was set up in Dogtown. And when the war was over, he basically just took over this entire area. And now Dogtown was intended to be a Las Vegas style city where rich people could go and gamble and, and indulge in all kinds of fucked up shit. But the war broke out whilst it was still being built. So you're left with all these like skyscrapers that aren't completely finished and this whole massive area where they've sort of been interrupted in the middle of all their creation. And it just, it's, it's such an interesting idea for an area and a world. It's like a, a militarized slum almost, but like just with these massive disparities in wealth with these people living in there like fucking kings whilst most of the people living in there are living on the streets and in absolute destitution such an interesting area and such an interesting world to inhabit and then it gets into all this crazy spy shit with the president idris elba's there helping you as a spy so so fucking cool because what you're there for with cyberpunk 2077 is the story, and that's where Phantom Liberty really, really delivers. I I had a blast from start to finish. I gotta say, sorry, sorry to Idris. I'm sure he's gonna be very upset when he when he hears this. I wasn't a big fan of his performance, and I don't know if I'm not gonna blame him. Uh, it's it it could have been a direction kind of a thing, but he was just the whole way through. He was very, very reserved, and maybe that was supposed to be about his character, but just a lot of moments felt like they didn't quite have the weight to it that it should when he was involved, because there just wasn't a ton of emoting going on. They did a, such a great job with with Keanu Reeves, and Keanu Reeves is throughout all this as well, too. They got Keanu back. I don't know. <laughs> they, hopefully, it was in his contract, or they just threw a fucking another pile of cash at him. And he's there commenting on the entirety of everything throughout Dogtown as, as well, too. And his performance is fantastic. Thankfully, all the other voice actors throughout are all great, all do a fantastic job. And yeah, it was an absolute blast. I would say the only issue I have, and I think it's more with cyberpunk as a whole, in The Witcher 3, a lot of things happen, a lot of quick choices have to be made, and a lot of stuff happens, and it always, almost always feels like it has a real tangible effect on the world and the outcomes of how those missions end. And I've got to say, with cyberpunk, I don't think they've managed to achieve that on the same level i'd be doing gigs the the guy will say for the gig oh you know make sure you do this quietly you know i want this job done quietly i'll go in there chop everyone's head off with a katana the police going crazy everyone being alerted and i'll get a phone call afterwards being like oh great job you know a bit bit loud you know but you know great job good work keep it up and that that's it i think you just get like a tiny little bonus if you do take them all out without setting the alarms off so i, I don't know c- certain things do feel like they're not given as much weight as they should but uh, the th- one of the things that they improved the most in this dlc and one of the things that I loved in The Witcher 3 is how good the side quests were. And in Cyberpunk 2077, in the base game, they have these gigs and they're just the bare minimum of side quests. They add in like a text message that you get or a phone call when you arrive to the area. 
giving a bit of context to what you're doing. You know, there'll be emails you can find in the computers throughout the building that'll give context to what you're doing. And then you'll, but basically the missions will come down to, you got to go in there, get an item and get out. Or you got to go in there, hack this machine, get out. You got to go in there, kill this guy, get out. It's the same thing over and over and over again. But in Dogtown, in the Phantom Liberty DLC, every single one of these gigs had their own story to it. And for example, just one of the side stories, I, I get a phone call from Mr. Hands. He's your your handler, who gives a, your fixer, sorry, who gives you all of your jobs when you're in Dogtown. And he says, oh, there's a guy saying that his uh, son's in a, in a bit of trouble uh, and he needs you to help out. And you're like, all right, I'll go see what this is all about. And you go talk to him. He goes, oh, my son's a really good, good son. He, he has his own legitimate mechanics that he works at. Um, but the DA of Night City is coming down on him and using him as a way to get to someone else thinking that there'll be more information there. Can you go and get that information deleted. So you end up having to go and sneak into this nightclub where this DA is like schmoozing with some of the uh, underground people of, of Night City and, and Dogtown. And when you go in there, you you meet her. She goes, no, <laughs> he's talking total shit. You know, the information he gave us to, to arrest his son, he gave us willingly for money we didn't have to like you know abuse him or do anything to get that information um and his son's actually a really bad criminal and has all these connections with all of these people he's just worried about his own ass that when his son goes down that he's going to end up going down too they're going to know that he was the one who ratted him out and you know i I still go through with deleting the evidence and then find out that the father ends up admitting oh no i did give up all the information willingly. So there was just so much more to it. And I I could have gone in and gone guns blazing as well too, and just killed the person and deleted the information. I might not have ever found out about that side of the story, but there was clearly just a lot more thought going into each of these side quests. And I, I I love that shit. Any of those things that, you know, you could just miss if you didn't bother pursuing it, that adds so much more sort of flavor and context to the world and makes the city feel so much more real. I really, really love it. I'd say my only big issue with cyberpunk is probably just in the actual gameplay and combat itself. It's just, I don't know. It's just not, it's kind of satisfying, but I don't know. It's, it's far too easy but then I also don't want to make it harder because all that happens if you up the difficulty is the bullets just hurt more and you do less damage. And I'm like, eh, it's not going to be that fun. So I'm basically going through with a katana. I can like slow down time, fuck people up. I can leap across the entire map. I can just decimate people with swords in a, in a room full of like 20 people with guns. And it's a ridiculous power fantasy and it's fun, but it's just, I don't know. It's just, the combat is definitely not what you're there for. It's really for the stories and the and the uh, world of Night City that you're inhabiting. Because, yeah, holy shit, I don't think I've ever played a game with a city that feels like this. Every single moment you look around in Night City, you're just feeling like you're being swallowed up by this giant concrete jungle. Um, you know, every, every borough and area you go to will have people acting differently and wearing like wearing different sort of fashions and there'll be different kind of architecture. I just, I love the world of night city so much. And I, I love the stories that it has to tell. 
and I had a great time with Phantom Liberty and I'm, I'm keen to get into more of Cyberpunk and see what else they've added because I think there's other new side stuff for the main game as well too that's come out since then. So yeah, sorry for that that long rant, but yeah, holy shit, I've, I've, I've really been enjoying Cyberpunk and now I've finished, I've already finished Cyberpunk 2077 years ago. But now finishing Phantom Liberty, I can give a review score for that and I'll give it oh, 12 Idrises out of 14 Elbers. There you go. Let's fucking go. Like, as I said, yeah, the gameplay is probably the only thing that I would have my sort of qualms with. I'd say probably going the hacking build is probably the most fun way to play cyberpunk but if you want one of the best and most well realized cities that you've ever explored in a video game uh with some of the most interesting stories to tell i'd say cyberpunk 2077 is definitely worth checking out now and if you're enjoying that phantom liberty give it a go i think you can get it as a bundle now so yeah, I know. I know, Aaron. You fucking hate cyberpunk, and just you couldn't even get through the first like hour or two. Um, Torja, do you have any interest interest in cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? Is this your cup of tea at all? It's an interesting game, but I haven't played it. I, I don't have much to say, really. But you, you you're not interested in picking it up at all, though. Like it, like what I've heard hasn't piqued your interest at all. Um, it has piqued my interest, but it's a really long game that i really have to be invested on mm. and it, i just haven't been in that um vibe lately um so yeah maybe in the future i'll pick it up but it's not a hundred percent sure that's that's yeah. totally fair like it, it is a very story based game it's not one of those ones where you can kind of just put on a podcast and and just yeah. play you really want to i've been playing it with headphones on you know 3d audio and really really getting invested in the world yeah. i i promise I'll, I'll talk here i promise i won't shit on it i promise, I promise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so don't cut my mic <laughs> i won't shit on it zach i can tell you now man that sony has you by the balls and what i mean by that is like sony not just only figuring makes this video- out What's that? No, the reason why I'm, I'm referring to Sony on this is because Sony obviously not only make video games, they have an entire movie and pictures department, right, that do incredible movies. Well, let's not say incredible. Let's just say they do movies. Yeah, but you can tell that sometimes that influence blends into their games, right? Like, for instance, God of War. Uh, like I'm playing that at the moment. Well, and I'm playing the good God of War, but the new God of Wars are very much like story driven, right? We're listening, we're walking through, it's kind of getting cinematic. It's, you know, mm. the controller's put down kind of thing as you're watching what's going on and all of that. I can see that Cyberpunk has given you pretty much all of that. Like it's giving you the cinematic stories, the, the, the narratives that you want, um, mm. pretty much everything is there in regards to the storytelling and what you love about the narrative. You just said, though, one thing that, I don't know, a lot of gamers, I don't know, would find alarming, and and maybe or maybe not, this is a good debate. You mm. said your only qualms with it is the gameplay. I, I should say the combat, not not the... Because I, I guess okay. you, you could consider the 
dialogue choices and experiencing that all that sort of stuff and the story is in its in its own way gameplay um but yeah the combat for sure is definitely the not the highlight of of uh, cyberpunk yeah and there's nothing wrong with that like there's games that you know do a great job of of just telling a great story with minimal combat i think you've played a lot of them right like the uh dark pictures anthology ones what do they do you do you uh, yeah, it's other- all just um, choices and yep. and quick time events and stuff yep. like Nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yep. wrong with that at all. Um, it, and, and, you know, obviously that's why I didn't like this game too much is because I'm the opposite. I like gameplay. I like action. I want something happening all the time kind mm. of thing. And this game was very much watered down to just narrative. So would you say this game would benefit from more action and more... Uh, you know, uh, more more variety when it comes to gameplay? Or or even, do you think this game would benefit if it was half-half? Because at the moment, it sounds like it's, what, would you say 80% narrative and 20% like gameplay? I, I wouldn't even say... Well, for me, Aaron, the issue... I, I know... Because you did only play the start as well, too, which is the most narrative-heavy part it's like setting up the entire world and everything in them once you sort of release into night city you you do you you are finding there is a lot more action as you go throughout missions and stuff like that um my issue is not so much with the amount of action that there is it's just the combat that you're doing the sort of four routes you can go you've got the hacking route the katana blade sort of route uh the strength you know uh more blunt melee weapon route or the uh what's the last one or or shooting you've got guns and and stealth kind of kind of gameplay as well too so you have your different options for your different builds i just i've tried two so far i've tried the hacking and i've tried the katana builds and i don't know that yeah they're, they're they're both fun in their own way but if I compare the combat in Cyberpunk to combat in God of War Ragnarok, for example, it just doesn't even hold a candle to me. It's not what I'm looking for. It's a little bit jank. It's just the the, the combat just needs to be better. If they, if they improved on the combat, uh, like I'd probably call this game a masterpiece. And, and they did that with the Witcher series, right? Like, I, did, I haven't played any of the Witcher series, but would no. you say that the combat there was more of a focus or a bit more improved than what Cyberpunk is? The combat got better in the Witcher as they updated it. They added in, like, um, different executions that you could do, and they made the combat flow better. And there was fun to it as well, but I'd say the combat for, for me with Cyberpunk is probably on the same level as the Witcher. It's definitely... It's definitely not what you're there for. What you are really there for is the world and the stories and the combat is more just, it's like, like I'd say the world and the stories are like a nine or a 10 out of 10, whereas the combat's like a seven or an eight at the, probably a seven at the most. So, yeah. yeah. This is it. This is, this is really important though. Like what we're discussing here, because you, you probably have mm-hmm. listeners out there that haven't played cyberpunk yet. Right. And they're listening to what you're saying here and, and they're trying to make their mind up whether or not that's something they want to invest in, if that's got all the tropes that they like. So it's mm. good that you're clearing this up and you're saying that, you know, this is more narrative focused. This is more about being immersed in an incredible world that, you know, looks incredible and you've got all these different story arcs and you can choose from this. You know, I think if that was sold to me when I first bought Cyberpunk, 
I may have made a different call because I thought it was going to be uh, Dying Light with like a better story, you know, like where you're out in the world and you're doing everything in real time and you can go as fast as you want, but you will stop for a cutscene here or there, da-da-da. Nothing like that is what I experienced in in Cyberpunk. Yeah, like Cyberpunk's definitely more heavily on the RPG side and less on the action side, whereas Dying Light is more of an action game with RPG elements, I would say. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm glad you liked it, though, man. Like, it's awesome hearing how passionate you get when you find a game that that really kind of gets to you. Like, you just rattled off, like, four games before you got to Cyberpunk, and you're like, I'm not talking about that one. <laughs> I'm not talking about that one. But all those ones that you rattled off, I know that you love as well. So oh, you've yeah. kind of gotten to Cyberpunk as, like, oh, I really love that game, but no, if Cyberpunk's, you know, where I want to be at kind of thing. So I'm so happy for you. In saying that, I actually haven't touched Cyberpunk for like a week. Like since I finished <laughs> Phantom Liberty and did a lot of the end game stuff, I ha- I haven't played much more of it. Mainly because it is the kind of game where yeah, you got to sit down, headphones on, be really invested. And the last sort of week, I've been playing more stuff. I can have a podcast on or something like that. Um, but I very much intend to get back into Night City though. That is for sure. I've got all the time in the world. I, you know, I can. It, it's not going anywhere. I don't need to get it done anytime soon. So yeah. But yeah, that'll do us for news to reviews for another month. Torja, thank you so much for jumping on the show again. It is always a pleasure to have you guests on the show, especially, yeah, getting up on a Saturday morning, I believe it is, there <laughs> yeah. over in, in Lisbon uh, to record with us. So it's much appreciated. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to, to be here and speak games. Uh, so, yeah, I hope to come back in the future. And, yeah, keep up the amazing yeah. work with this now monthly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're going to keep asking you to come back on Torja that is for sure and Aaron yeah thank you so much for, for being here it is always a pleasure to have you on the show uh, particularly when Lockie cannot make it fuck that guy I'm glad we had you here especially for this one with all the Xbox stuff and yeah it's always fun having you on Thanks, man. I don't think you would have been as uh, nice when it comes to the Xbox stuff or the even the uh, Cyberpunk stuff, so I think you made a right call there. Oh, yeah. Lockie would have not been anywhere near as diplomatic and, <laughs> and generous as what you were. That is for sure, Aaron. Oh, dearie me. If you like news to reviews, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to the podcast. It's the best way you can get us in the ears of more peeps but for now that'll do us for the next month Aaron do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners uh, it's the same I always say but I'm glad that you know it's starting to resonate a little bit more gaming's gaming guys don't look at it as I'm in team Nintendo team PlayStation team PC team Xbox it's wherever you get your enjoyment in your game that you love is where you need to be Oh, yeah, and Xbox is is going to be getting out of the console game because four (laughs) games went multi-platform. Oh, no, it's the end of Xbox. (laughs) Dearie me, everyone out there, (laughs) watch the end of Xbox with us and take care of yourselves and take care of one another.